Welcome, you are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney turned alchemist, and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Listen to conversations with courageous souls who stepped out of their comfort zone and designed a new way of life. They'll share their experiences, wisdom and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Okay, well today I'm here with Alex Rofa and we've gotten to know each other the last couple of months through the Cancun Expats group and I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me a little bit this morning, Alex. I know um, you're a busy guy, but uh, appreciate your time. No, thanks. Thanks. I feel honored to be part of this project you have. Um, it's really interesting after all the podcasts and audios I've heard from the other people to you reaching out to me and saying, hey, you want to jump in in one of these sessions? I'm like, okay, sure. If I'm, if I'm interested enough. <laughs> well, I'm sure you are. And that's um, actually so part of the joy of what I've been doing is when I sit down with people, a lot of times I really don't know what their story is. Um, like, like you, I know a little bit about you, but, but not a whole lot. And uh, it's really been moving to me as we get into these stories, like there's, there's so much there beneath the surface that, that people don't realize. And so it's, I really feel honored to be able to bring some of those amazing stories to life. So I'm sure we'll um, have some gems here today. We always do. So, so you're a little bit different. You did not uh, start your overseas life as an adult. Um, you've actually lived in multiple different countries from the time you, you were a baby. I guess that's as good a place as any. If you want to just kind of start with a, a little bit of your background, that would be helpful. Yeah, it's really funny. And uh, the people who knows me, they always start laughing when someone new comes and like, hey, Alex, so where are you from? Like, oh, here we go again. Right. The long story short, I'm what it's known as a third culture kid or uh, adult third culture kid. What that is, is um, someone uh, as an individual who were raised in a culture other than their parents or the culture of their uh, country of nationality. And they lived in such an environment during a significant part of their early development years. So in my case, I try to go like, have you heard about the third culture uh, term? Are you familiar with it? If they say no, then I say like, well, look, I was born in Guadalajara, Mexico, to a French mother and a Spanish dad. When I was six months old, we moved back to France. And uh, from France, I mean, it was Paris, a little town in the south of France called Castellaraz, and then to Barcelona, then to Madrid, then to Extremadura, which is like the middle of nowhere in Spain. I love it, but there's not much happened there. Um, then we came back to Mexico. My dad stayed in Mexico City and my mom took me to Guadalajara again because of her family side, had more businesses there. And uh, when I was 13, I went to a boarding school in upstate New York. When I was 15, I went to another boarding school in Eugene, Oregon. Um, I came back. My mom had lung cancer because she smoked. Uh, so I was a minor under the Mexican laws. You become, uh, well, you're a ma minor until you're 18 years old. So I was 17. So my mom passed away and I had to go with my dad to Mexico City 
where I did high school and college. Then, uh, unfortunately, I don't have a really good relationship with my dad, even though I think we both tried and and uh, we're very much alike in certain things and we drive each other nuts and we're completely opposites in other things. So uh, it's this love-hate relationship that uh, that's not the best, but look, life goes on. So I moved on to Puerto Vallarta on the Pacific side of Mexico for a couple of years, then to Guadalajara, where I had a event management company. From there, I worked in the Pan American Games. Then I went to London and worked in the Olympic Games. And then I was a little bit like, oh, what am I going to do? So I, I, by that time, I already had a property in Guadalajara. So I had to go back, check on everything. And I wasn't like feeling at home, which is something we will talk about a little bit uh, further on the talk, but anywhere. So I ended up in Cancun. Uh, you're probably going to ask me how, so I'll let you get to it in, in a few minutes. And I've been here since uh, in Cancun since 2014, 2015-ish. Okay. That's kind of the long story short of, of where you're from. Yeah. So uh, you can answer better than, than I. Um, it's complicated. <laughs> it's typically right, right. Yeah. You know the basic <laughs> status when relationship status, no, like it's complicated. Like, where are you going to use that? Okay. Well, that applies to like, where are you from? Where are you from? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, that's interesting. So I can't wait to unpack some of that in terms of your your cultural experiences and, and outlook, um, having lived in so many different places. But okay, so how did you end up in Cancun? Let's start there. Part of the things that I didn't feel like at home uh, in Guadalajara, which to the people hearing us, I don't feel at home anywhere. That's part of the challenges as a third culture kid. That, that you you kind of lose your yourself, your identity. Uh, I wouldn't call it a crisis, but a sense of belo- uh, belonging. Well, the roots, right? It's yeah. About- yeah. yeah. So uh, it's, it also acts a little bit on, on my accent. Uh, when I used to live in London, I had a very British accent, just like our friend Tanya uh, has. Yeah. But uh, in church culture, kid culture um, or movement, it's called uh, language coding. And subconsciously, you change to whoever is surrounding you, little words you use, little accents. When I go back to Minnesota, I I speak Minnesotan. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I can speak English with my French accent. It's very lovely. Yeah, I moved to Cancun because I was in Guadalajara. I had just gone through a breakup. I had gone through that. Uh, My former event management company, my cousin stole it from me. It was a long thing that happened that he did it underwater you know under the table he bribed everyone uh, even having all the paperwork and all the things that you're supposedly having you know by the book and everything Uh, so i I hear stories about that happening to gringos um oh it happens to 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 everyone mexicans too (laughs) yeah yeah, it happens to everyone. And someone who, who was really close to me, he was my 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 associate, you no, know, my my partner, he was my cousin, like because the biggest event we did or I did um was 110,000 people. Wow. So, so yeah, that's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. It was a music festival for cumbia, salsa, and merengue. Okay. Uh, three days in a row, six different groups every day. And and, and yeah, it, it was a nice show. 
uh, I start losing a little bit of the sense of why am I here in Guadalajara, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, after working on, on the Pan American Games and then the Olympic Games, and I can go into detail a little bit further if you want, uh, I went back to Guadalajara because I was with this lady in this relationship. There was not much there. Like, I don't have a family. My dad lives in Mexico City. My mom passed away. I'm a single child. Um, there's not much except for my property there. Friends, uh, as I said, one of the uh, issues as a third culture kid is you don't actually belong there. So you see a friend for a while. You're like, oh, Alex, how you been? It's great to see you. But you were never like really, really part of the same way of growing. And, and so you have friends all over the world, right? So I said, well, maybe I should go back and live in Europe because uh, I have European nationalities as well. Mm -hmm. And then I said, well, but it's cold. Yes. <laughs> and they don't have tacos. So I'm like, oh, where do I want to go? And then I said, well, what about if, if I buy a, a sailboat or a catamaran, just uh, kind of like your experience and just go around the world. Uh, right. My mom had a, let's call it a special friend. And he's this count from Belgium, an amazing guy who one day quit his aristocratic life and just been traveling the world since. So he's done the Paris-Dakar rally and he's lived in Africa and he's gone around the world. I think it's like six times now. Uh, he did Japan, Alaska alone on his sailboats wow. uh, for like 32 days, middle of the ocean, completely alone. And he sank his first sailboat on the Bermuda Triangle and got <laughs> uh, saved by a U.S. Uh, airplane carrier and stuff like that. So I remember his histories and I sailed with him from Vancouver to Anchorage and down to Seattle over a summer. And I remember those uh, stories of, of being there and seeing the orcas, a school of orcas, you know, killer whales, just a few feet from your boat uh, on complete wilderness. It's, so that uh, really had an impact on me. So I said, well, what if I do what he did? I remember I, I had fun there. And then when I was looking to boating and all of that and sailing, I said, well, what if and I sink the ship and then I don't have a property. I don't have a house. I don't have a boat. I don't have anything. But, uh, maybe that's not the first step I want to take into sailing. Well, what if I go into the Caribbean islands? And specifically, I was looking into Saint Martin or Saint Martin, that little island that's split between France and the Dutch. Uh, I love it. I've been there. And I started looking at how do I get a job there? Obviously, with my French nationality, I could just go there because it's my country. Sure. But there weren't a lot of options. And I was like uh, jumping from one island to the other on at least Google Maps and, and seeing options. I said, well, if there's a hurricane, it's going to cost me like a thousand or two thousand dollars last minute airplane fare to get out of wherever. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, no, I'm not sure about it. I had already lived by the ocean in Puerto Vallarta, right? So I know I love surfing. I know I love fishing. I love scuba diving. So I'm like, okay, I definitely want to go somewhere with an ocean, someone, somewhere warm. Because uh, for me, going to the beach that's cold, it's not going to the beach. No. When I was in this boarding school in upstate New York, I hated every week when they made, it, made me go and swim on the lake. Because... It wasn't crystal clear. You couldn't see the bottom. It was so slimy. You had algae over your feet. Uh, uh, it was cold. 
uh, like, no, this is not what I enjoy. I like going to the beach where it's hot, where it's humid, where you see everything, where there's only nice sand and not stones, like like in Nice in France, you know, the yeah. beaches, and, like everyone is there. And oh my God, I just hate laying on England, the table. Yeah, down the <laughs> south coast of England. Same yeah, place. yeah, yeah. So, so I said, oh, Caribbean life. Well, I have friends in Cancun. I've been several times to Cancun. I love Cancun. Why not just go to Cancun, which honestly, when I came back from the Olympics, I took a plane from London to Cancun nonstop and stayed here for two weeks. And I'm like, yeah, this is life, you know? Right. So I said, well, I'm going to try that. Uh, I spoke to a friend that he said, well, why don't you come and stay with me in my house? And he was into real estate and I'll give you a job. And I said, how serious are you about this? And he's like, I'm completely serious. So I said, you know what? Let me pack my car. And I'll drive drive there. So I put everything on my on my Honda, and uh, I said, "Let's see how this uh, change goes with me." And I drove from Guadalajara all the way to Cancun. I did four and a half hours from Guadalajara to Mexico City. Stayed with my dad for a couple of days, and then drove. I left Mexico City at seven a.m. and nonstop. Uh, I might I might have been speeding a little bit. <laughs> uh, because I reached Merida, Yucatan by 9, 9 p.m. So wow. it was like 14 hours nonstop. So anyway, I ended up in, in Merida where my late grandfather used to live. He was the, grand, the, the, the father of my father. Stayed with him a couple of nights visiting and then I came to Cancun. The day I was driving from Merida to Cancun, I get a phone call from my friend saying, oh, you know what? You cannot stay at my house and I cannot offer you a job i'm like what are you talking about like oh, no. i've been doing this for almost a week driving there you know it and so he completely ditched me oh. and i was already with everything packed i was already like between valladolid and, and merida uh, on the way to cancun i said you know what i'm just gonna go to cancun find a hostel or something if it's only gonna be like a month vacation it's only gonna be a month vacation but I need this. So that's what happened. I arrived. I found a randomly hostel. I walked in. I saw a, a guy that like seemed familiar. And I said, well, what's uh, the best price you could give me for a week or two weeks if I pay in advance? He gave me the price. I said, sure. He even uh, allowed me to stay in a room by myself because the hotel or hostel wasn't uh, completely booked. And then after I checked in, I left a few of my things because uh, imagine I had everything on my car. Like I sure. had my flat screen. I have my, I had my stuff, my, my surfboard. I had all my clothing. Yeah, moving. <laughs> I, so, so I had coolers with my food and everything and, and the alcohol obviously and, and laptop and like everything you might need. Right. So it took me a while to get all of this out of the car so it wouldn't get uh, stolen. So Anyway, I end up there and I tell this guy, like, you seem familiar. Do I know you? What's your name? And uh, we didn't have anything in common. And then I said, like, oh, well, I used to live in Puerto Vallarta. He's like, oh, I used to live there, too. Ah. Oh, what did you do for a living? And then it completely clicked to both of us. He was the manager of the senior frogs in Puerto Vallarta. His name is David Sosa. He's a good friend of mine. And uh, I used to go there and I used to go to Carlos O'Brien's and uh, we all had all these common friends. And yeah, we, we were like, oh, yeah, I totally know you now. I know who you are. And we became good friends. So I told him the same story as I'm telling you of what uh, brought me to Cancun. 
So after a day at the beach on Facebook, I found out that there, uh, there was a friend of mine in here and she was about to move from the place where she was renting. And so I reached out and said, hey, would you like to look for a place for you and me? share as roommates you know and she was like oh well let's meet up and sure so we ended up doing that uh we had a budget in our minds and and uh we looked for a place we found a place it was actually a three-bedroom place and so now we needed a third person to share it with so i went onto the cancun expats group and just posted if anyone was looking for and uh, there was this nice lady from canada we met each other the three of us and we felt comfortable with each other. Anyway, that's how we rented the first uh, apartment together. But yeah, uh, that's how I ended up. So did, were you able to find work then? So by that time, regarding an income and work, I said, you know what, let's see how this goes for, for two weeks, right, on the hostel. And then uh, I saw that my property that I had in Guadalajara gave me enough money to stabilize a little bit in Cancun. Okay. So what I, what I do there, I don't know if you've heard about these people who give financial advice of like, oh, you got to buy four houses or four apartments, you rent three and you leave sure. the other one. Sure. Uh, well, nobody told me that. I found out through life, my apartment in Guadalajara, my property, it's a duplex. It has four bedrooms, each one with their ensuite bathroom. Okay. So even uh, before I left to London, I was renting out the rooms on their own. It had been a good source of income for me. Mm. So when I left to come to Cancun, I just left those three rooms rented. Obviously, my room is always locked. And right. uh, up to this day, it's locked and I can go whenever I want. Okay, so that's so available have, to you if you need to go back. Yeah, yeah I have these sort of roommates that I barely see. Because uh, sure. I go like about four times, six times a year to, to Guadalajara to check on them. I did the numbers. It was working for me. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to give it a, a, a six months at least try in Cancun or a year if I can to see if I really like the four seasons in Cancun, if I really like the vibe of the town. Because honestly, going to a town for a couple of weeks or a couple of months doesn't really give you the sense of living there, right? No, that's absolutely and, true. And I think uh, the people who follow you has that question always in their mind, you know, that should I go and just leave and relocate to Isla Mujeres or to Playa del Carmen or Cozumel or Cancun or any place in the world or Mexico, right? And there's a lot of people who will say great things about Isla Mujeres. Even myself, I love Isla Mujeres. And then they will speak badly about Cancun because they hate having cars and having traffic and having these huge lanes and being a city of over a million, a million and a half people. And, and I always tell uh, people in general, you know what, go try Cancun, try Isla Mujeres, try Playa del Carmen. Even up to this day, I have friends who are like, hey, how's Playa? And I'm like, I don't live in Playa. And they're like, oh, you don't? <laughs> so where do you live? And I'm like, I'm in Cancun. Oh, wow. But what's in Cancun? It's, it's, it's just full of hotels. I'm like, yeah, you only know the hotel zone, right? Right. So, so that's uh, all a lot of visitors see, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's a lot of, of visitors. They only believe that the hotel zone is safe, right? Yes. Uh, and, and, and it's not like that. I don't know. Living in the hotel zone, you feel a little bit more posh, you know? And, and, uh, but there's nothing happening. Everything is right. more expensive. Right. Uh, 
unless you're living on a beachside condo, you still have to go out, you still have to walk, you still have to go through through the public beach access. So there's nothing much and, and you're just surrounded by foreigners the whole time. Not that it's a bad thing, but uh, it's just a different life of always like nightclubs and partying sure. and fancy restaurants and even yeah. going to the supermarket there. It's a couple of pesos more every item. Right. So that wasn't the, the, the appealing side of, of, of Cancun to me. So I live in downtown mm-hmm. and it's amazing when you can walk everywhere. So, so yeah, Cancun for me, it's my advice when people come or go to any uh, town that you're interested in the world. Try it for a couple of months, at least. Give it six months, at least. Uh, to really understand what you're... What you're yeah, get, get lost. Honestly, get lost on the city. Like, where am I? What's this? Do I like this area? Uh, yeah. Try to get lost during the day. Don't do right, it Right, during night. the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that. uh, find out where Costco is. If there's a Costco, that's an American thing. Uh, sure. Only... Canada, US, and Mexico has Costco. But try to find the equivalent of a Costco in whatever country you're, you're, you're analyzing, supermarkets. Uh, try to go to every single supermarket chain, even if they're far out from where you're staying on your Airbnb or hostel. Analyze the whole city, uh, not just stay to whoever speaks your language. Yeah, try to do the very minimal uh, uh, language uh, of the country where you're trying to live in, you know, like just the good morning, good afternoon, good night, numbers one to 10, don't forget zero. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. I'm sorry. Uh, No, it's so, it's appreciated anywhere. Yeah, for sure. Um, So you end up uh, investing in property in Cancun. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, you asked me, so, so what did I do for a living? So I had that income, right. uh, From Guadalajara. And through the expats, I met some people who were working in real estate. Mm-hmm. So they said to me, well, you speak several languages. You're outspoken. You can speak to anyone. Would you like to help us? And I said, okay, sounds good. Uh, obviously, there's no base salary. Right. And I started working on that. And they said, let's do 50-50. We'll give you the clients. We'll give you the listing. We just don't have time to check on those clients. Okay. I said, okay, fair enough. After a couple of clients, they weren't giving me 50-50. Uh-oh. It was a 30-70 thing. So I said, hey, I'm putting my time, my money, my car, everything. And they said, well, yeah, but it's our clients. It's uh, our brand. I said, well, yeah, but you said that since the beginning. And they said to me, like, just do it on your spare time. But then they will call me, like, at 7 in the morning, uh, like, hey, you got an appointment for 8. I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, you said on my spare time. And uh, they just kept on being very pushy. Uh-huh. So I, I think you weren't a good fit to, to neither I was to them nor they were to me. Mm-hmm. So that didn't work out. And uh, I said, you know what? Uh, thanks, but no thanks. But by that time, obviously, I had more of an insight of real estate. I kept on doing it because real estate laws in Mexico, not every place needs you to be certified. Sure. Uh, Quintana Roo, but on that time didn't need it to be now you have to mm-hmm. um i had that inside of, of real estate and i was doing numbers and and thinking should i sell my property and buy something in here by by that time i had already moved from living with karen and living with nandy but, but by then i realized that i had 
sort of the same situation of the four places, living one, render three. So I was living in one room and I had two rooms in this apartment where I was living that was uh, I was renting out. And by the money I was charging with everything included, I got my part paid for. Obviously, I started to grow old on living with people, got mm -hmm. tired of it. I had really good roommates, but then I had people who did drugs from things like weed to cocaine. Uh, none of them are still legal in Mexico. So I don't like having illegal things yeah. around, not judging whoever smokes weed. And if it's, uh, uh, if it's legal in your country, it's fine. And here it's not, even though I do like the smell of it, but I've never done it. Anyway, I ended up getting so tired of that, that I was looking for other options. My income, my source of income, was constantly coming from my property. At the same time, I was still helping a few friends with real estate, uh, either finding places for them or selling or renting their places out. I got hired as a translator for a few different companies. I don't know, I'm, I'm always helping expats and, and they're always like, oh, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I get something in Mexico? And I always tell them, I'm not going to charge you anything, but people always end up paying you. So it kind of worked for me. I also have another uh, business venture with a friend where we import aftermarket car parts ah. uh, from Europe, from the US, from Canada, from Japan, from China to Mexico. That's another sort of, of source of income that I have. So I, I have a, a few little things here and there always uh, working for me. And the one day I got a phone call from my banker. Uh, saying, would you be interested on a mortgage, on a credit for a property? And I said, uh, well, I'm not looking at buying anything. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have uh, a lot of savings on my event management company. Mm -hmm. That's how I bought my first ap apartment with that yeah. money. So I'm, I've never had a credit uh, on, a, on a property. I was a little bit afraid of it from the stories I've heard. Especially since Mexico, the, 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 the fees they charge you for a credit on a house, they're humongous. High, very high. Yeah. 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 Uh, I got super lucky because the bank offered me a uh, 9, 9.5%, which is super high for the US, but it's super low for Mexico, at least. Uh, I mean, the, the, the fees have been going down on the last year, but they're, right now they're like 84 more or less, still high for the U.S., mm -hmm. but low for Mexico. So I said, well, I don't know. And they said, well, you only got, have to give us 10% down of wow. the value. Wow. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. You've already got this much quantity approved. It comes with a life insurance. If something happens to you, the property gets completely paid off for whoever you want to leave it to. Okay. Um, and it comes with property insurance. Okay. Like uh, if there's a hurricane, if, if sure. there's an earthquake, if something happens. Uh, and then I was like, yeah, well, I still don't know. And let me think about it. And they said, well, the good thing is you don't need to prove a source of income. And I was like, oh, I don't need to provide any source of income. You're only asking me for 10% down. Everyone that I've asked, it's telling me like, oh, it's only 9.5 interest. Everyone's getting like 15, 13. Yeah. Everyone's like, Alex, you should do it. So I'm like, well, you know what? It's a 20-year credit mortgage. 
I don't have to remortgage my other property. Like right. the bank is just telling me, have some I money. believe <laughs> in you, have some money. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's take it. Right. So, so I called them and I said, yeah, let's do it. Even though I don't have a property, they said, it's fine. You have four months to find it. Wow. Uh, because they give you this certificate. And, and once you have the certificate yeah, of the, the max the amount that they'll, they'll give you, yeah. uh, just go out and find something. Oh, wow. So, okay. So then I have this little click in my, in my mind, you know, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do now? I have all of this money, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I don't have it in my bank account. That's no, not how it works. At your disposal. Yeah. Yeah. So house hunting. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. Integrity Vacation Property Management Trust, Truth, Results from buyer's representative services to rental market analysis, staging, marketing, and full-service property management, achieving your goals is our top priority. Visit our website at www.integrityvpm.com and get our free guide, Self-Manage or Hire, a property owner's checklist of issues to consider. Contact us for a free consultation to see if we can help you maximize the return on your investments. Integrity VPM raising the bar in vacation property management. Welcome back to the Overseas Life Redesign podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And we invite you to subscribe if you like what you hear. So I started looking for things. I actually started looking for things in Isla, Mujeres. Okay. Uh, and my first idea was finding a plot of land in Isla, Mujeres and building. Mm -hmm. Uh, about four stories high, three to four stories high, and doing these little lofts, studios, thingies, doing about 12 of them. I did all the numbers and it made sense. But then my bank said, wait, it only applies to things existing. It is. Yeah. It's a, it wasn't so a construction want, loan. Yeah, that's a yeah, different deal. Yeah, if you, yeah. If you want a plot of land, yeah. We're only going to pay for the plot of land. You cannot ask for, let's say, one million, right. spend half a million in the plot of land, and then spend the other half million in construction. Right. We're only right. going to pay for what it is there. Right. I understand the point of view from from the bank of saying, like, yeah, if, if you don't pay us, sure. right? Yeah, we it's have something for that on. versus something that's that's finished. Sure. Yeah. So I had to look for something that was finished. So, well, I still look for things on the island, but the finishing th finished things on the island were either out of my budget, completely mm -hmm. out of my budget, or were too little to make sense, too small. Right. Numbers just uh, didn't work. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Isla, Isla Mujeres, the real estate in Isla Mujeres has, going, has been going up and up and up. 
And for you to actually make a profit on, on it, you have to get either a small plot of land or a small property that you're going to tear down. Don't even try to keep a wall because they're not even worth it. Build on it and make it a vacation rental. Right. Or a, a commercial listing or something. So that was out of the equation. And then I said, well, finding a little apartment, doing two be- uh, three bedrooms, keeping one for myself, renting two out. And I did the numbers and they weren't like really interesting. I said, well, I'm going to open my ideas to Cancun. So I started looking. I looked at all over like the huddle zone, the new uh, Puerto Cancun area, uh, Cumbres, which is a, a, a gated community downtown. And I started looking at everything and I have a really good eye for detail. And every single place when you're house hunting in here, even for a rental, you find little things that don't work out, right? Like it's not painted or they painted it many years ago. Uh, or I don't know, the shower doors are dirty or the fans are, the, the fans blades are just completely bent down or full of grease or the fridge is old and rusted or there's always something. Sure. Or, or neighborhood is not the right neighborhood. So, uh, I was house hunting for like about three months, going to about at least three properties every day. Wow. With everyone on Cancun, right? One day I saw a listing that on two pictures looked amazing. I really, I'm not going to say the name of the real estate agency, but I never liked them. Like I never liked the way they do business. Mm-hmm. I tried when I was working in real estate to work at a few deals with them and they're really corrupt to their own real estate uh, uh, people, to pe- to other real estate agencies, to the client. They're always hidden fees and I just don't like them sure. at all. But it was the only one who had the exclusive for this property. Uh. So I reached out on the phone. I told them like, if I'm going to go and see the property with you guys i'm gonna sit under my rules i'm not gonna give you any money out i'm not gonna give you money to show me a, a, a pictures on a laptop in your computer <laughs> i want to see the property i want to see that it's real i want to know that it's for sale and then we'll talk right if it's only five minutes it's only five minutes right. i don't want to see other properties and they were a little bit against it but finally i convinced them uh because i i kind of hit them on the ego telling them how bad they were right i knew how they did business so there's they they were like trying to prove me wrong right 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 the interesting thing with this was the two pictures look very good and the listing was in the same neighborhood that i was always living in cancun which was like oh wow this must be like two blocks away from where i'm living so i want to see it right because i i always like the neighborhood sure Uh, I never thought about buying something in here, but it just clicks. And yeah, they showed me more photos of it. Uh, We scheduled on our agendas a day to see the house and I saw it. And the minute I saw it, I'm like, it's well-maintained. It's exactly what I'm talking. It's my style. Everything is new. Like I hadn't seen a property in three months uh, Mm -hmm. like this. And I said like, okay, now let's talk numbers, right? And that's that's where you ended up? That's the one you you purchased? That's where you're living? That's the one I purchased. Uh, I had another runner, 70% bigger than this one. Oh, wow. Uh, What I was looking for, it was at least two to three 
parking spots, at least four bedrooms with ensuite bathroom, because that's a formula that I know it works. Right. So you had already had that success in Guadalajara with that. Yeah. Obviously, having a pool, it's better because it's a feature that if you're going to use it for vacation rentals. Sure. uh, People want it. If you're not going to be waterfront, if you're not going to be on the beach, well, at least have a place to pull up. Yeah. So uh, these two houses made sense. The other house, I didn't go with that one because it was more money, even though it was uh, still, uh, it fell into my bank uh, uh, option they gave me, you know. Mm -hmm. But I really needed to clean it up. I really needed to paint it all. I really needed to do a lot of things. More work. Uh, yeah, it was just more work. And the house that I ended up buying, you could say it was turnkey. Right. I still did a lot of things sure, uh, because I'm like that. Right. And uh, a lot of improvements, but it was less than the other place. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I did the numbers before buying, uh, I had enough savings to give that 10% down to pay all of the notary uh, uh, fees and all of that stuff in here and then do all the little uh things that ended up not being as little as I thought. <laughs> right. Uh, and yeah, it, it made sense. In my case, because I was born in Mexico, when you are born in Mexico, even if you're a foreigner, your kid uh, becomes a Mexican citizen. Mm-hmm. So I have a Mexican nationality and that allows me to buy land or property anywhere in Mexico without going through uh different options of, of a foreigner if it's a bank trust if it's marrying a mexican if corporation. it's a corporation etc right this for foreigners only apply 80 kilometers from a border or from the ocean if you want to buy a property inland you don't need any of that straight away you can buy it and own it mm-hmm. so so it just gets trickier to own land on the on the ocean or 80 kilometers from the ocean uh, i don't know how many miles is that right now right um but inland anyone can buy so me being a mexican was a plus for for buying land it just made everything easier well and the fact that you had access to mortgages right because most foreigners you, you don't True. have that ability so yeah True. so that's so how long ago was that did they, did you uh, buy the house about a year ago i think oh, okay. i think uh, it was the exact date when the bank called me, I think it was around June, July. Okay, so not, day, only about no, a no, not, not that long ago. Uh, I actually, I wanted to be moved in by my birthday, <laughs> which which is August the 5th. Uh, okay. I'm a Leo. But yeah, I wanted to be moved in by August the 5th, and it didn't happen. It ended up happening by the end of August. Okay. So I always say like, I was here by September, like fully moved in by September. Do you still work in real estate at all a little bit? Or I mean, obviously now with I, the, the COVID situation. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, COVID situation, you know, my 110 days self-quarantine without even leaving the house. That's my COVID situation. <laughs> I still work in real estate as a side thing. Uh, okay. If you ask me to look for something for you, if any of our listeners needs someone like to find something, I'll gladly help them out. Nice. It's uh, great. If someone needs uh, a property sold or something, I'll gladly do it. But I don't wake up right. finding clients, finding listings, yeah. getting ready to show houses. And I'm so grateful I didn't do it. There's like 20 different agents showing the same house. 
Sure. Everyone putting the price down and down and down and down. Everyone is attacking each other. And I mean, that's real estate in general. Yes. But this is the way they do it, you know, it's, it's, it's not ethical. It's, so, uh, it's a tough business. I, I did that before law school and yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It, you, it can be very lucrative, but it, it can be very draining and it's yeah. really 24 seven. If you really are a full-time real estate professional, you, you pretty much don't have a life because right, right. the client wants something like you, you jump, right? Yeah. You but at, at least I have friends and I have family who are real estate agents in the U S and, uh, it involves more things, even like if you see how well certified you have to be in the U.S. Mm-hmm. against uh, Quintana Roo. It's so different. And, and the way a real estate agent conducts business in here, right? They, they, you're not a priority at all as a client, mm-hmm. which sounds stupid, yeah. but it is. <laughs> priority for them is how much money they're going to make. So they're going to be a little bit dodgy on certain things with you. They're not going to be as clear as they should be. Sure. They're yeah, always well, they, they don't, yeah, they don't play by the same rules, right? Yeah, they're, they're going to push their agenda on. instead of yours. Yeah. So they, it, there they, isn't the fiduciary duty that they have to look out for their client's best interests, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand that. Well, cool. What I'd like to do is, before we wrap up here, is talk a little bit about your experiences with living in different cultures. I mean, you've, you've lived in England, you've lived in Spain, you've lived in France, you've lived in the United States, um, Mexico. Obviously, the, the world's um, in a lot of turmoil right now, and different countries have handled things differently, had different results. But I guess I'd, I'd just like to get some kind of your, Alex's take on what you see, you know, what, what you've experienced with, with the way that, that different cultures have impacted your life and kind of what you see going forward in the, in the future. Yeah. Well, looking forward in the future, nobody knows it, right? <laughs> <At this moment. laughs> I won't hold you to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, growing up as a third culture kid made me see life differently. My mom always spoke to me in French. My dad always spoke to me in Spanish. That opens up your mind, having more than one language, even as a baby. Absolutely. And then English uh, just came to be between school on an early age, between setting up the VCR time. Remember how every time you had a VCR, the light went out, the power went out, you had to set up the VCR time. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, <laughs> I'm that old. <laughs> and uh, finding uh, that the Spanish or French version of uh, appliance uh, manual didn't make sense. So let's read it in English and watching movies. And so I started with those three languages since, since uh, an early child. So that opened up my mind. Living in different cultures changes you in a positive and negative way. Because I would say the benefits is you get an expanded worldview. Yes. So you, you, you understand that there's more than one way to look at a situation, uh, the way you are exposed and the way you experience it. It also becomes a challenge because uh, the culture is not homogenous to one belief system. And I see this with a lot of people who haven't left their home countries, who come on a vacation and like you speak to them and it's, for them it's my way or the highway. And they don't, they don't uh, 
tolerate how things are done in a, in a different culture, in a different country. But yeah, benefit, you get a third dimensional view of the world. Culturally, you're not as enclosed or encapsulated to talking to someone. You're not afraid of like just approaching saying, hi, my name is Alex. What's your name? Where are you from? What do you do for a living? And, and uh, that, that's a benefit of, of, of since being a kid, growing up around different places, making new friends, losing friends. I, to this date, I remember a lot of friends as a kid that I've never been able to find, not even on Facebook, because you never knew their last names. Yeah, you get to... to, to gain friends, lose friend, friends, gain culture, different food for you, right? Uh, you taste a lot of things from the world, uh, but you also get a lot of things confused, like your loyalties. You know how uh, for you, for example, Bar and Stripes and the U.S. And, and, and the anthem, it hits you deep in your soul. For me, I feel the same for the Mexican flag, for the French flag, for the Spanish flag, for those anthems, for those languages. So you cannot choose one. And people are always, uh, the monocultural people are saying like, no, 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 you can't choose. You just don't want to. Mm. And I always say, well, do you have kids? Yeah, I have four kids. Okay, choose one. Right. Good analogy. I like that. Like, no, no. Yeah. Well, you have to have a favorite. No, well, I don't. I love them all the same. Well, it's the same thing. You cannot choose, right? If, if someone points a gun to your head and tells you, choose your favorite, complicated. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, so, so yeah, you, you moved from, I don't know, collective and individual cultures back and forward. You have this, this ongoing question of where is home on every single cultural level, uh, personal identity. You feel connected to everyone and disconnected to everyone. I do felt back in 2015, I took a trip to Europe and ended up going to London to visit some friends. And the moment I stepped out of the plane and I started walking at the London airport and uh, going downtown in London and taking the tube, I told myself I'm home, which was like a what? What did I just say? It's the only place where I felt that it's English is not my native language. England is not my culture, but somehow it felt home i came back and i've always had that feeling of should i go to london and explore more the fact that i said this feels like home or was it just a, a two-week thing that that stayed in my mind right but yeah everything changes your prejudice your culture your religion your 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 politically correctness you become more blunt I, i'm not afraid of telling people the things as i believe uh, that are happening. So I'm more stubborn than they are on certain things, or I'm more open on certain things. And if I completely see that whatever you and I are talking, it's not going to end up well, call it politics, uh, call it religion, call it sports, call it whatever. I'll just say yes to whatever you're saying, turn away and not see you ever in my life. You know, it's like, if you're not a positive thing to me, I just move on because that's what I've learned from changing uh, between all of these countries, between all of these cultures. And I miss them all. When, when people ask me, what's your favorite food? I would say, oh, can I have a tequila and tacos and a good French uh, wine with uh, Spanish cold cuts, um, <laughs> Spanish paella and French cheese. And so it's a mix, you know? Yeah. It's, it's well, and nice. I was thinking about that as you were talking about this lack of identity because you don't have one particular culture that you call home. I think the flip side of that 
it sounds like, is there's a comfort level wherever you go, right? Because yeah. you, you yeah. aren't taking all of this baggage of, you know, my way of the highway thought yeah. process, right? You, you're more a more open individual to be able to enjoy the different aspects of the different cultures that you encounter. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's completely fair. And, and it's interesting that the, the, the third culture kid way of calling myself, I wasn't aware I was a third culture kid since about last year when uh, oh, okay. I was talking to a lady and the typical question of where are you from? And then I went on this one minute explanation of where I'm from, right? And she was the first person that didn't went like, oh, you're Mexican mm. or oh, you're French. She went and said, oh, you're a third culture kid. And I'm like, what? what? Oh, I thought she was saying you're like from a third country world, third world oh. country theater. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. She said like, no, third culture kid. Obviously, one minute later, I was on Wikipedia reading all about it. And it just made so much sense, right? Right. Uh, th that it was so, so weird. Uh, so I've been uh, uh, using this time to learn more about third culture kids. I have uh, uh, friends now all over the world, thanks to social media, who are third culture kids. We even shared on video, uh, on Zoom, the main uh, issues we have. And one of the recurring issues is you don't find a partner. Like, it's not easy to date for us mm. because you start dating and what you don't see as a monocultural person as an issue, we have a lot of issues. Uh, mm. as a multicultural third culture kids and we get along with uh, military kids who used I, to change I, yeah, a lot I can see I uh, can imagine diplomatic kids who you also used to change a lot and and uh, so most of the people who who uh, I've met uh, even online who are third culture kids have finally found love on someone who's multicultural either a diplomatic kid either a military kid or either a third culture kid right the term applies uh, regardless of your age. Even if you're 80 years old, you're still going to be called a uh, third culture kid. So uh, I even got invited now to start this project of a third culture kid dating Facebook group for these people who are kind of, of, of lost and who have the same feelings and who don't, don't know how to relate to monocultural people or who are just tired of going around and, and having issues because they don't get understood. Right. right? So, so yeah, it's, it's very interesting to find, finally find the people who understand me because even my family doesn't understand me. Oh, your ego is too big. Oh, you, you should just be like centered. You, you're completely lost. And, and I thought I was wrong for most of my life. Like the issues with my dad, the issues, relationships I had, I thought it was me. Like, and then you find hey, you're not the only one. There's more people like you who have this disconnection, who are struggling like you, and who also have a lot of positive uh, things in life. Yeah. If anyone felt like, like me before in their life, if anyone grew up uh, traveling around the world who maybe nowadays they're call calling it the uh, nomadic lifestyle, right? The technological uh, digital nomad lifestyle. Maybe you're a third culture kid. You just never learned it before uh, hearing it. 
or understood what that meant. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about what, like one of my guests raised their kids on a sailboat. And so they, they traveled the world and they were very small when they, they left the um, United States and ended up going to college in Prague and, you know, living in Europe and, and really embracing that culture more so than, than the United States. But yeah, it can be, it's, it's interesting because it's, in many ways, it is such a gift to be able to have that richness of cultures in your past. But at the same time, yeah, our world is really not set up to understand how to, how to accommodate that, right? It's, it's, that's a little bit out of the box. Yeah. For most people. For, for, for the world, for the world to understand us, it's more complicated because we're a minor, minority. Mm-hmm. Not a, not a lot of people have, has been fortunate enough to, to have this given. I didn't do anything to have this multicultural set of genes. When you only look at me, you don't know where I'm from, right? My, my physical appearance, it, it, it's an interesting, it's not obvious. Uh, uh, I did a DNA test and uh, I was, it was actually my cousin gave it to my dad for Christmas. My dad didn't want to do it because the government is going to know all your details. <laughs> when I, sure. I said, I'll do it because I, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not going to go and kill anyone. And I did it. And uh, my dad told me like, why do you want to do it? You already know your French and Spaniard. There's not going to be anything interesting on it. I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. And when the results came back, I was like, whoa. Yeah, from the most to the least percentages, I'm French, Spaniard, Irish, Italian, Scandinavian, Ashkenazi, Jewish, Mexican, which was like, whoa, and then African. My African is like 1.5 or something and then undefined. So uh, I'm a redhead and everyone's like, oh, that's why you have freckles. That's why you, you're, you're redhead from the Irish side. The Irish side, sure. Yeah, but, but it was really like a Scandinavian, like Irish, like Some where is this coming from? in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone who's a third culture kid, probably if, if, if their parents are from two different countries, has the same sort of mixed DNA. Yeah. Uh, and also the way you, you grow, uh, you become more of, of an executive, that mean role, professional or semi-professional. You know, it's different roles that we take. So the world is not uh, uh, open to understanding that we didn't do anything to, to, as babies to go through this. Our parents just had jobs or a lifestyle that allowed them to, to travel the world, right? To relocate. They weren't afraid of doing it. So you, you become more more open on the way you see, I don't know, military, missionary, uh, government positions, business, financial, and all of those things. Uh, from talking to other third culture kids, I found that most of us, we either work on our own or are like medium top level management. It's really interesting to see the effects that I would advise to anyone who's got kids. Please try to put them in as many languages, expose them to as many different cultures. I speak fluently, although with an accent sometimes, English, French, and Spanish. I never took lessons, but I do speak basic Portuguese, Italian, Russian, and Maya. Wow. Uh, but, and I understand certain words in, in German, in Dutch, uh, Scandinavian, uh, Chinese, Japanese. Like when, you, when your mind as a kid uh, opens up as a sponge, I believe that the rest of your life, it's easier for you to, to tackle on challenges and on new things and on seeing some other people's points. And you were telling me, how do I see uh, 
the future for me? Where, where am I going? What do I want to do? Well, I can tell you, I already feel like, okay, what's next? Like I came to Cancun, I bought a house. I had an amazing life in the Caribbean, but I miss skiing in the snow. I miss uh, going to the cold climate. I, I miss uh, a lot of things of like even shoveling and everyone's like well you're not gonna love shoveling snow because you've never done it i'm like no i've done it i lived there i lived in upstate new york right uh, and i still go uh with family of mine to connecticut uh, i just spent their christmas and, and then i spent new year's in kansas city and we had snow all over and i i enjoy the cold as long as there's snow because it makes it more fun i think that as a third culture kid even though you're going to be, I don't know, let's say 80 years old, you're still going to have that little kid inside of you who loves playing, discovering new things. So what's next for Alex? I don't know. I'm, maybe I'll apply to work again in the Olympics. I, I really miss working in the Olympics. It was an amazing experience for me. The people I've met, biggest event in the world. There's nothing bigger. Uh, I miss that. Uh, I also worked in the United Nations for, for about two years, and I miss that connection to, to the world uh, where you see. So you find a lot of, of, of different things, and I don't know. I'm already seeing where am I going to go next? How am I going to buy the next property? How am I going to get another mortgage in another country? Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with COVID-19. Uh, it's going to be here. I think it came to stay. But I also think we're not going to be as strict as we are today. On my point of view, it's going to be at least till spring break 2021. And I'm, I'm not afraid of, of, of getting uh, COVID, even though I'm on a high risk because I have some kidney issues. But I'm just, I, I just want to be part of a solution. I don't want to be part of a problem. So I wear my mask. I follow all the guidelines. I'm not trying to, to go against uh, the mass guidances, where do I see uh, uh, this uh, going? I hope that I'll get to go with you on your sailboat. I hope that we can see each other uh, without having a, a video screen between us. Uh, I hope we can still enjoy some time together and, and uh, to meet more people, to help as many people as I can with my experience. Uh, anyone who, who felt connected with our talk uh, reach out to me. I know I'm a random stranger, but all of your friends were random stranger once, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, and if it's okay, I'll, I'll put a link to maybe your Facebook profile or something so that uh, people sure, can sure. do send me a random message, message and, and I'll talk to you. And then we can become friends, you know, let, let me see who you are first. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Um, this has just been a, a delight to, to hear your story and your, your vast experiences that you've had at such a young age, uh, really, from the very beginning. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to a, a long friendship with you, Alex. It's been a, a delight to chat with you today. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah. No, thank, thanks. I feel honored for you inviting me. Great to be part of your amazing project. Thank you. This episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thanks for tuning in. Did you love this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast? Then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We invite you to visit www.overseasliferedesign.com. We'd also love for you to become part of our OLR community on Facebook. Thank you for listening. Thank you.